everyone. Welcome back to Not Safe for Wonks. I'm Kennedy Cooper. And guess who I have with me today? This is so exciting. I have all of all of the hosts, all of the original hosts. Holy shit. Oh I didn't even think this was possible. It's happened. Uh, it's like I told y'all, this is a little bit like the Star Wars movies. The team is together. It breaks up. We all had our own little adventures for like a week and a half or two. And we're back, and we've gone on our own hero's journey. We've changed. We're better, and it's great. Lay, are you better? It's like, yeah, it's like MCR reuniting, baby. We're back, and we're just as shit as we were before. That's <laughs> right, baby. And you're going to love it. <laughs> I mean, clearly, you're yep. here listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, Feels we, good. Wouldn't uh, be here if you didn't. So speaking of experiences that we had during the the what do we want to call these times? The dark times, the they void. They weren't dark. They were good episodes. They <laughs> no, were good actually, episodes. we made a lot of good episodes, and we were all making content during that time, which was kind of the funny thing. Like we weren't able to overlap a lot, but we were all still in it. Like everybody was still putting that work in wherever they could. Let's call it the spinoff era. The sp- <laughs> sure, okay. This is, it was our Joey era. You get it? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. see, I, I'm you a guys, zoomer, so I don't know what the fuck that means. That that's that's a joke you'll only get if you're already one foot in the grave, like me and Brandon. Yeah. All right. You know how you know how uh, our uh, episodes are like Avengers movies. This is like uh, the little movies between Avengers, where you have like Thor and he's like in space for no reason. Or that what was, was the last X Men movie? <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah awesome okay now we're up to speed we provided the the millennial and zoomer translation it's simulcast (laughs) you know we post a lot on twitter if if you listen to this show you don't follow us on twitter that's mysterious um but uh you know you do you you're allowed to but uh we post a lot on twitter and uh this like a couple weeks ago, uh, whenever like the drama really started to kind of fall out with Katie Hill, uh, we are more specifically mostly me kind of posted about Katie Hill on the Twitter. And uh, this guy, you know, jumped in and just started giving a lot of very reasonable arguments about how, you know, we had to look at things fairly and something about both sides and. You know, I mean, you guys saw the tweets, right? Don't, did- yeah, the tweets were basically, I guarantee, it was like a Reddit politics thread uh, distilled into a single human being. And basically the take is the sexual harassment uh, of Katie Hill is obviously bad. But Katie Hill was in a relationship with someone on her staff, and that is abusive and also bad. So the appropriate action is for her to be removed from office. Uh, and for the people who committed the the revenge porn and basically blackmailed her into leaving, uh, for them to face an undetermined consequence as well. Uh, and this is good because it encourages accountability and fairness for everyone, which should be everybody's ultimate goal. Uh, I'm not saying that Twitter person, I would shout them out if I had their handle in front of them. I just don't, and I don't care that much. Um, I'm not saying that was a bad person. It's the reasonable take, but it's the wrong take. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it was the right take, we would just end this episode here. There'd be nothing left to say. 
Are you tempted yeah. to do that? We, we wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about it if it was a good take. Because because we're we're fucking vampires and we thrive on shit happening. Give me your your shitty takes. One shit take, two shit take. <laughs> Leia, oh. you're not wrong, but I have to say too, it's, it, it, a shitty it's not episode. Like we, <laughs> it's not like we even really go out there on the web looking for this kind of bullshit really like yeah like it, it, it's honestly we're, we're we're at a it's great that we're at a point where the shitty takes find us yeah that never would have been possible when we first started this show we are growing folks we are growing like i feel like if mm -hmm. you find my original tweets about katie hill i'm basically just like we should all be kind of disturbed about what happened here you know and i don't even necessarily like vindicate her entirely uh, someone else did post on the account, Katie Hill is innocent, which I do stand by, honestly, but we'll get I, more I into that. I posted that. Um, That's my take. Yeah. And, and so, but anyway, like this guy started just like freaking out at all of our pro Katie Hill stuff. And like, you know, it's just sad because like our following is like on Twitter is actually pretty great. Like, you know, Twitter is kind of a cesspool a lot of the time. And like, we have this amazing following of people that are like, orb gangers and bernie bros and you know progressives of different stripes and green party folks and you know just like just like a, a cool collective of relatively nice people you know yeah and 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 we work hard to like make sure that we don't end up with a bunch of knuckleheads up in our feed and yet like we still have these people that mean well that overall probably have some good takes and like the right ideas and i think this guy was like a bernie supporter and stuff you know but he's unable to look at this issue any way except for this the way like, the, the media has presented to him. Like you have yeah. to seek out a different way of thinking about this issue. It's not like something that you might come up with on your own. And for most people that are listening to this show, five years ago, you might have felt the same way about the situation if somebody had presented it to you in a vacuum. Or you might be listening now, honestly, and you might still feel a little unsure about what should yeah. have happened or what did happen because like a lot of the details are still a little bit hazy for a lot of people and a lot of this again it has to do with the fact that unfortunately a lot of our media was interested in the start from presenting a biased narrative about this where details were left out or kind of fudged in a little bit to sort of paint things a certain way it, it's good it's fun it's entertaining for the media to paint a salacious sex story with nudes and tattoos and all that other shit. Um, but the media does not ever talk about like relationships of power and who's in charge of a situation and who's not in charge of a situation. And what are the practical Basically, outcomes of political action? Smoking a bong. Yeah. Yeah. It's always about like who's naked and smoking a bong. And it's not always um, about, Hey, who's going to benefit from this situation? Uh, it's a Democrat in a swing district. Uh, the, your ethical concerns about this person, which have a lot of possible disciplinary actions uh, short of, of losing the seat, uh, has the actual material consequence of helping Republicans get into the office, which is why oh. all the Republicans are fucking thrilled right now. Oh, and a fun fact. The, the uh, Katie Hill's ex, which was the one that leaked the photos, um, ha is closely is working with Katie Hill's Republican challenger for her seat. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Kennedy, can you like, for people who don't know the full details of this story, can you like enlighten them as to what is going on? And then we can talk about like what the takes have been. And then maybe most importantly, we can tell our listeners like how to create action to fix or to work on the culture that has made this person's unfair dismissal even possible. I know you said, by the way, that you'd love to get her on the show. I would hate for her to have to be on the show because it would just be us defending her and her having already resigned is awkwardly kind of going, yeah. So like she's well, left. to be clear, though, when I said I'd love to have her on the show, honestly, like I'd love to have her on the show in a couple of years when this is like settled down. And like, hopefully maybe she's running again. Like I, if this is the end of her political career, I'm really sad. legitimately and if you're listening and you're not sad about that you will be hopefully by the end of this episode because and i know it's i'm like hoping that you're going to be sad but seriously like we should all be upset this time we should we really really should because Um, this because this is not just like about katie hill this is about like women as a whole this is about all of us this This is is about yeah this is about the human race yeah but so let's get into let's just get into like the basics of the Katie Hill story and then we'll get into the the existentialism later. <laughs> so Katie Hill, all right, she won a very difficult district for a Democrat to win. Brandon, you described it as a swing district, but actually I wouldn't even call it a swing district. Like they hadn't really had a a a good Democrat in that seat in some time. So Katie Hill jumped into this race and managed to win as a young, progressive, openly bisexual woman. A lot of things, you know, tags that wouldn't have flown even 20 years ago in politics. And um, so flash forward to now. And basically uh, a few weeks ago or a few months ago now, I can't remember exactly when it started. um, She was accused of potentially having had an affair with a House staffer. And this would have been against House rules. Now, I'm not 100% clear. I did a little bit of research into this. I'm not 100% clear if House rules state that she would have lost her seat over this or not. It seems like maybe not necessarily that like the, the actual punishment would have been a little bit indeterminate without the investigation having been done. So anyway. I mean, the, the important part is that she didn't have an affair with a House staffer. It was a campaign staffer. Well, let's be clear. I, I don't want to just be a wonk about it or anything, but we are trying to be journalistic. There has never well, been any evidence at all that she had an affair with a House staffer. Sure, sure. Now, you know, come come to me with some evidence. Maybe I'll change my mind about some of these things I'm saying today. But there's never been any evidence at all that she had an affair with a house staffer. Um, other than some insinuations about a bonus that even that like hasn't it's never really been proven. And so like we're in this situation where, yeah, like she she was accused of having an affair with a house staffer. So in the interest of coming clean, she came out and said, I did not have an affair with a house staffer, or sorry, an affair, affair is the wrong word. I, I, a relationship is just a, you know, just a relationship um, with a house staffer. I did have a relationship with a campaign staffer while I was running. And however you feel about that in your gut or in your heart or whatever right now, hearing that, know that it's not against house rules and that, like, if we were to condemn every politician right now who's in Congress or the Senate, who has had an affair with a staffer that's known about 
or that has gone on to marry a former staffer because there's some of those like we we would have we would have a very empty congress right now so like let's just put this all into perspective that you know there's never been evidence of the of the slightly worse thing she was accused of she did admit to a not so bad thing then after that came out uh nude photos of her in a lot of compromising situations uh compromising by the you know american puritanical standard that people are held to a lot in the media uh situations came out and were published by like conservative media outlets and the threat was leveled that there could be a lot more of this kind of shit release and that basically that more of this stuff was going to come out until she was ruined was kind of like the implication and and then she resigned so here's the biggest wrinkle to all of that all right as we mentioned already um her ex-husband who is most likely the person leaking these photos because Probably no one else has them uh, besides Katie Hill and her ex-husband, according to Katie Hill, is, is working with the Republicans now trying to take back her seat. George Papadopoulos was, has already been implicated as possibly having known about this entire thing in advance. He's now challenging for uh, Katie Hill's seat. Um, and for those of you who don't remember that guy, he's a felon. He's a Trump guy. He's a piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Anyone have anything else to say about Mr. George here? Um, if, if the Lord were just, he would be under the jail. Yeah. He, he degraded he, himself to get out of prison. If you guys recall, he weeping and cry. Oh, they tricked me. And I didn't. <laughs> I mean, just thoroughly uh, just humiliated himself and licked Robert Mueller's boot, if I recall. If I, if I am not mistaken, uh, that is what happened. Yeah. So he's, he's, just, you know, a slime ball who's willing to do anything to save his own skin and try to get or keep power. And now he's trying to get Katie Hill's seat. So I, if you can't look at that timeline before we even get any deeper than this, if you can't just look at that timeline and see that there's something wrong, like Katie Hill is obviously being the subject of a series of attacks by an abusive ex-husband and the Republican Party is just enabling it because it benefits them. And then we got dude on Twitter coming out and saying that we got to be fair to both sides. Well, how is that in the spirit of the Me Too movement to enable her ex-husband to abuse this young woman out of power? Like, I just don't. This is fucking infuriating. And also, also, like you are pursuing, uh, we can pursue the end of like a fair political system with accountability for all members who are in Congress. But that action does not help that at all because there's no quid pro quo coming to you. This isn't like a situation where uh, there's one Republican representative or one Republican voter that's going to be like, uh, well, we've they've demonstrated good faith to us uh, by hounding out this representative. And now that we are convinced that they truly mean what they say, we shall in turn carefully police uh, our membership. One of this, one of ours. Jim Jordan like watched and covered for like this mass yes. sexual abuse uh, of these kids. And nothing has happened to him. 
and nothing ever will. The president of the United States is a is a legit real world rapist. Kavanaugh, by the way, let's let's touch on that for like 30 seconds. Kavanaugh. Oh, my God. Was chosen because of the sexual assault. That is why he's there. There are plenty of judges that share his exact same positions. This was about uh, a president who's drunk on power, thumbing his nose at the activist left and like the women that compose a lot of it by getting the most offensive choice they possibly can in there getting the most corrupt person they possibly can in there because when you get a compromised, a deeply compromised person as your lieutenant, you know that ethics will never be a concern for him. That's why he's in there because they know Kavanaugh is never going to betray Trump because he's just as compromised as they are. It is incredibly fucked up. And given that situation, uh, there's really no reason to like just hand over people in this climate. There's just no reason. Like, like the bottom of the line is, it's been said before, the cruelty is the point. Even if we tried to assume the best possible motives on behalf of everyone and that we should hold everyone to an objective standard, and even if we were living in a better situation where currently right now as we were speaking, Brett Kavanaugh and Trump and Jim Jordan and some other people were all being held accountable, Katie Hill should still have her seat. Like, that's the, that's the most infuriating thing about all this, is like, it's inevitable that we're going to end up talking about how this relates to Me Too and how it compares to Me Too, but actually, we shouldn't. The fact that this has been related to Me Too in the way that it has is wrong. And the only way that it should have ever been related to, to me to you, like I say, is in the context of the fact that she is being abused by her ex-husband on the national stage and Republicans are allowing it. And these are the same people that put Brett Kavanaugh into power because he is a molester, as you said, Brandon. So, yes, of course they would. So it's just even God. if, like I say, even if we tried to be as moral as possible and hold people to some kind of objective standard, this is absurd. There, there seems to be no answer for what exactly it was Katie Hill was supposed to do to not be in trouble. By the way, um, um, for people who are wondering, I would, I would also hold Joni Ernst to the same standard. Hopefully, the Lord never punishes us with those nude pictures. But I would still not want her removed from office for anything that Katie Hill did. Or I can't think of any other like Republican senators. Susan Collins, whatever. Like, it's obviously right. something that could potentially be worthy of, like, censure or reprimand. But, like, it, this is clearly, like, a politically driven process here. And so here we are. It's it's just over two years since the beginning of the Me Too movement. And it doesn't seem like that much has really changed for the better. And, and that's not an insult to the movement, you know? Um, the movement itself, I think, is probably one of the most important political movements of the last 20, 30 years, at least. Like, this is this is critical shit, you know? No, absolutely, again, no disrespect to the Me Too movement, but what has actually substantively changed? You know, they've done some research, and the data shows that, like, sexual harassment in the workplace hasn't gone down because of Me Too. You know, that, like, most people are still getting away with this shit. And part of that is, I mean, well... It's a cultural thing and it has multiple, it's like fighting a Hydra. It's got multiple heads. Part of it is just male character. 
and that's like a fight that's going to be like generational. It's also just economic because if you are not comfortable talking about your employer uh, or your superior, your supervisor, they have an inordinate amount of leverage on you. And that matters if you're talking about your healthcare being tied to your job or your housing situation, uh, you needing to pay rent at the end of the month. So to what degree can you oppose uh, a supervisor or your direct employer in an economy that is so rigged against you that you have to grin and bear so much and the people doing it know they can get away with it despite all of this like howling about "Ah, i'm being canceled what's happening the people doing the shit on a local level just know they can get away with it and unfortunately and i guess we'll come back to this as we talk so many of those violations are not just things that happen to like people who are in congress and movie actresses it happens to regular women it happens to like waitresses uh it happens to servers it happens to like doctors nurses across society and they do not always have the leverage of they can go on twitter and like 500,000 people will have their back and somebody will make a podcast about it those people have just themselves and just their family so what can we do to make a society that supports them it's a lot harder yeah absolutely yeah that requires touching on more kind of fundamental institutions of power and dominance in this country that have gone relatively unexamined for a long time and it's definitely a conversation that we need to be having but is it a conversation that we that was def that is necessarily comfortable to have no not at all. And that's why a lot of people don't want to have it. Well, I think a lot of people struggle with like that kind of need to sort of accept that even if you overall kind of have the right intentions and some a lot of the right beliefs that you can still be flawed. Like this is like sort of like the I'm not a racist thing where like people are sort of like convinced that this is like a binary system of like racist or not. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't say the N-word. I haven't discriminated against anyone. I'm not racist. Yeah, I, I have a black friend and I'm nice to him. You know, whatever. Like, like it's these things are not binary systems, you know? You're not either, like, a good ally to women or a rapist. Right. It's a large spectrum between Harvey Weinstein and we literally can't name a guy who's 100% in the clear. <laughs> like, yeah, whose name do we want to say? Because then it's like, I don't know. We're watching you. You haven't done anything yet. You, Yeah, let's use me. Like, there's a large gap between Harvey <laughs> Weinstein and Brandon Buchanan. Keep an eye on that guy. Uh, so, you know, even if you overall, like, are respecting women in your life, you haven't sexually assaulted anyone, you may not really know how to be properly supportive to prevent these things from happening or to support somebody who's in a system of abuse right now actively. Um, A lot of people try to speak out about abuse and it's sort of ignored. And then those people get lumped into the statistical category of people who sort of like never said anything to anyone. Well, actually they did. Those people just never listened and they never tried again. Um, Yeah, that's very true. So you know, there's there's a lot of ways that we as a society can approach this stuff to try to make some actual change. And just, you know, kicking Harvey Weinstein out of a job isn't really it. 
<laughs> I mean, have you seen that 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 Wikipedia entry? Um, let's see, yeah, what which one is it? I think it's the Weinstein effect. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. We should kind of get into that because that's our second. Topic yeah, let's, for today. yeah, let's just touch on it really quickly, just because like it it shows how pervasive the mindset is, and then we can talk about how to combat that mindset. I guess. Yeah, this article's nuts, y'all. This Wikipedia article, like it reads like kind of like a parody or like something from like a conservative propaganda site like something off conservapedia yeah uh we we got to do an episode on conservapedia just like reading articles from there that would be great anyways oh jesus yeah for sure but like we don't even have to go that far today because we can just look right at regular old wikipedia at the page for the weinstein effect if you're listening right now i encourage you to look at this page at some point today or you know, it's, you know, whenever, but like, just check this out for a minute and just puzzle yourself about it. So I'll just read the top paragraph really quick. The Weinstein effect is a global trend in which people come forward to accuse famous or powerful men of sexual misconduct. Actually, I can't even, let's just break that down first. Brandon, you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, uh, the, the yeah, fact him, that the, with it. the question of guilt or innocence is completely divorced. It's a global trend why is it named after Weinstein? I mean, there's so many bad things just in the first like five words that you're already fucking gobsmacked. This article, this Wikipedia article feels like it was written by fucking Kotaku in action or some shit. It's fucking mind blowing. It's mind boggling. Like just, yeah, like you say, just the fact that 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 guilt and innocence is completely divorced. It's a global trend in which people come forward to accuse famous or powerful men of sexual misconduct. It just sounds like this is this is like that new millennial thing, you know? The millennials they 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 get on Twitter and they say they they say pick I'm just gonna pick a celebrity out of the hat. Okay, it's uh it's Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner touched my ding dong. I'm gonna put that on the Twitter, see what happens. Like that's how this sounds. And like between centralizing the um cent- centralizing Weinstein and the Weinstein effect, and you know centralizing the accusing rich and powerful men. Like why 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 are you instantiating rich and powerful? Like it seems to be centralizing the abusers over the abused. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I I was very very distressed by that i'm actually gonna skip the next line just jump ahead for the sake of like keeping this podcast moving a little bit but like this this is the next most crucial thing is this is the line from the the wikipedia page the effect gave rise to the me too movement which encourages people to share their experiences of sexual harassment assault and the two events triggered a cascade of allegations that brought the swift removal of many men from positions of power in the united states okay so again no talk of innocence or guilt just the removal of men from power and then also this effect gave rise to the me too movement i think that uh tarana burke would probably like to dispute the origins of the me too movement with whoever wrote this wikipedia article what do you two think yeah like it did not start with harvey weinstein holy shit like Again, centralizing the abuser. Yeah, like Tarana Burke has been trying to do this like Me Too movement since like I think 2006. Like I think it started on MySpace, you guys. I'm not even kidding. Like I'm not making this up as like a like a comedy bit. Like legitimately back 
in on MySpace days, she was like trying to like get people like to talk about people abusing people, and especially like men in positions of power abusing people. And it just now in like the last two years became a thing finally. So it didn't start with Harvey Weinstein. I think we should start more social movements on uh, obsolete social networks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in 2006, MySpace was still hopping, you know? That's true. Like, that was that was the place. Leia, you don't remember, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I, I was six. Or, no, I was five in 2006. God damn. Wow. I was asking my parents to log on to Disney.com. <laughs> Incredible. So what yeah. how do yeah. Let's well let's talk a little bit. I think a lot of this kind of ties into to like an issue of justice and the other and how like when like primarily white men but other people in power sometimes too are accused of something they're sort of constantly given these benefits of sort of like the system as it's always ideally described honestly like it's not even like really like they're given something special but really this is just like the innocent until proven guilty that we're told to assume in the classroom you know and so like they get every benefit of the doubt along the way until there is no possible way that you can say okay this guy has not been whipping his dick out in front of women or whatever and then and then they're condemned and even then a lot of people will still say well but 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 all these reasons why they should still maybe be forgiven we we turn around and we look at katie hill right like she she was instantly destroyed over this shit like she didn't she didn't have like time to do a few news cycles and blah blah especially once the pictures came out she resigned like within like a week or something you know like it was over like how yeah. long did al franken sit around with his thumb up his ass after there were like pictures of him groping women all over the internet yeah it wasn't very long i mean it was kind of it was like what three weeks it was a little while it really took his peers uh pushing him out the door for it to kind of stick like, yeah and um and even about... now, uh, he's he's getting articles in fucking like you know semi lefty news outlets where he's talking about oh I shouldn't have resigned, like what the? F I mean, look, if he wants to run again, I mean it's fine. I don't like if if the people in that state are like yeah we just love Al Franken so much and we think this was a misunderstand. I don't know how they would say it's a misunderstanding because there are like what, eight or seven or eight women that are, like, waiting in the wings to, like, sh sh discuss their his actions with them. So I would definitely like that to come out first. But, like, if he runs again, it's fine. But I think, especially given that Roy Moore was uh, running at the time, uh, kind of a bad look. I mean, I think it, if we can't, you know, pull this out into another sort of topic that's, adjacent to the topic we're discussing with kind of like quote-unquote cancel culture powerful white guys aren't canceled it just doesn't happen like louis ck is still playing comedy clubs people still like him like you you show me anyone who is canceled and actually has had their career ended nobody famous nobody famous yeah. really gets canceled. Mm -hmm. like the real victims of quote-unquote cancel culture are like 
women and women of color. Yeah, like it, once you there's like a, a gap. If you're too small, you can't get canceled because like you have no fans. There can't be a backlash against you. So you can't just be like a regular person and really get canceled unless you say something like that's like hysterically horrendously racist, like the lady who was like going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. <laughs> and she definitely did get canceled. Right. But and and then there's like a, a, a upper tier, like once you get enough clout, you can't be canceled. But really, it's like if you have a small amount of clout um, and there's nobody that's willing to really be diehard for you. So really, it's just on the left. If you're like right wing of any size, you can't really be canceled because they have like a different notion of loyalty. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't even I don't even think that the cancel is a real thing. It, it seems very yeah. ephemeral. It seems like a lot of the people who get quote unquote canceled are back immediately and that those that aren't are probably coming back at some point, you know, like like even Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he's he's probably one of the most canceled people of the me too movement just in terms of like he doesn't have a job right now he's wearing yeah, an you, ankle monitor asked about him it would be like hey, that guy in jail what happened he's 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 waiting court a court date he's wearing an ankle monitor his life sucks more than it did before he's still rich as hell and probably wants for nothing but you know if you want to like give an example of somebody like him he is at the moment one of the people that is the most canceled or like a Kevin Spacey, like he's very canceled at the moment, okay? But Harvey Weinstein could easily be, you know, making a big comeback in 10 years. You know, Mel Gibson was canceled when he said all that anti-Semitic crap. And then a few years later, he was like, I'm back. And everyone was just like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if, if Mel Gibson can bounce back uh, after the shit he said, it's not a real thing. Like Harvey Weinstein will will face trial in January and maybe he'll get off or maybe he'll do like, you know, nine months behind bars and pay like a million dollars. Some bullshit doesn't even matter. And and then like he'll, he'll sit quiet for a couple of years, but he'll still have friends in the movie industry. People who are like, man, that shouldn't happen to you, dude. Or he'll just talk his way around it because like I've always said this. The thing about Harvey is he had to be, just factually speaking, an incredibly charismatic person because he got financing for all kinds of films for a decade. So he was charming the pants off of these very rich people. And it sure wasn't his face, right? Because he's like this hideous guy. Yeah. So he has to be in a room with people just incredible in order to close sales and shit. So he's going to work on his sob narrative. And he's going to go on Oprah or whatever. He's going to be really sad. And he'll fucking be back before he's done, y'all. Yeah, it really feels that way. It feels like the likelihood that we don't see Harvey Weinstein come back. And like you say, too, the you know, there's all that. But then also related to that is like a lot of these people, they do some kind of weak ass apology tour eventually, you know, like mm -hmm. he'll hire a better PR guy after he does his three months in jail. And, and he'll go around and, you know, because the whole, those three months while he's in jail, he'll just be thinking, man, I got to fucking have a career again. Not like, oh, wow, I was really bad to all those women. And, and so, you know, he'll do a parade around the country probably and be like, you know, I'm very sorry, but you know, I respect cinema so much and it's my art and I just want to keep speaking through it or some bullshit like that. And all of these people will be like, oh his passion or whatever and 
he'll yeah. be a silent partner or something. The scum always rises to the top. So yeah, let's 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 go away from that because we know the scum's gonna rise. <laughs> like we just know that just as a fact. Yeah, so for, yeah. the, for those of us who are not scum, hold on. I want to end this episode on a new recurring segment that you started, Brandon. Is it cringe? Is it cringe? All right. Let's... Is it cringe? Is it cringe? Jesus Christ. Okay, so what are we uh, what are we cringing at? All right, so here's here's my here's my entry for you two today. I want to hear from you, Leia and Brandon. Is it cringe for John Legend and Kelly Clarkson to change the words to baby it's cold outside? Is it cringe for people to like make a big deal out of them doing it? Or is is none of this cringe? Uh, I've got to take Leia for waiting. <laughs> Brandon, you go first. Leia, work on that take. It's it's massively cringe. Because first of all, the new well, lyrics... Which are, is cringe? Changing the song is cringe. Oh, okay. Um, first of all, the new lyrics are, are, are cringe. Like, they are cringe lyrics. I don't even think if you're a big John Legend fan, you can, like, pretend that the, that the song is not cringe. It's obviously cringe. Listen to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Leia, do you have a take? I don't do you fucking think naked care. Baby, it's cold outside. La- less rapey is cringe. Okay, that's the second part. <laughs> you, have to, you have to say, oh, the song is is is, is bad, but yeah. the song is becoming I, less rapey. I but did that to not. provoke you into, this, <laughs> into giving your full take. I know. <laughs> I know. Listen, it's, baby, it's. I, Baby, it's cold okay. outside is not about being raped. It is about a woman trying to maintain her respectability with a guy that she wants to sleep with. And so I think everyone she, in the discourse knows that, but who cares? I knew that when I was a child. <laughs> I knew that before I knew Where? what sex was. It's embarrassing. It's terrible. Here's what I think. Who, I think. who cares? Who I cares if <laughs> baby it's fucking cold outside is like rapey or not? It isn't. Okay, let me tell you the only reason I even bring this but up. Stop is singing because it. When I was when I was doing research for this episode, I I couldn't stop finding fucking articles about this when I was looking for like me too stuff. You know, stop like talking about baby it's Hold outside. I don't want to. You're going to give Leia a stroke. You have to stop. You literally have to stop. Like like one of the most surefire ways to get me angry is to keep talking about a discourse item that I just don't give a shit about. Like keep hammering on about things that like who fucking cares? Like we are. Would would your take then be that reporting reporting on it at all is cringe? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's cold outside is cringe. Changing the song is cringe. Like reporting on the changing of the song is cringe. It's all cringe. <laughs> I love it. it, it there's like a cringe exclusion field around the cringe Chernobyl of baby. It's cold outside. You gotta stay fifty kilometers away from. It. <laughs> Holy so, shit! So what you're saying is is of all of the things that we've examined the cringe of so far. This may be the cringiest yet. Not just unto itself, but on a meta level. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. someone describes something as cringe or noble, we can move on pretty safely. Okay, so um Oh god. I want I want the last part of this episode to be um 
discussing solutions because people are going to listen to this and yes. they're going to be like, the media is full of shit about this issue. We know. Uh, they're also going to know about the scum rising to the top. Truth is forever on the scaffold. Wrong is forever on the throne. But given that, what what action should we be taking in terms of how do people respond to what these talking points are, I guess, first of all? I guess they can just repeat what they've heard on the podcast already. Yeah, I mean, that's a place to start. And and yeah, we've we've gotten upset. Now we've laughed. Now let's let's just try to like think positively here. So uh, I, it's always a complicated question of what can be done for some of this stuff, because obviously just like arguing with a guy on Twitter or even going out of your way to dunk him on your podcast later because you're still thinking about it and you're that petty is <laughs> not necessarily the way you change people's hearts and minds. But at the same time, there is a certain kind of value sometimes to being armed with the facts and being able to present them. And so hopefully this podcast will help you with that. And if, if this podcast has kind of inspired you to think more seriously about Katie Hill's story and maybe Me Too in general, there's like a lot of resources that you could be pursuing. We need to talk about uh, Time's Up. I know that seems like a slam dunk uh, thing, but again, like we've talked about this earlier, there are so many women who are in this situation that do not have the leverage of social pressure. Like there are people who are in situations that are a lot worse than Katie Hill, but don't have the fucking clout. So uh, Time's Up is a legal defense fund that people can use when they are working like against their accusers who have more fucking financial or political power than they have. If you are not in a unionized workplace, think about it because in situations like these, um, having other, having another established power that you can go to with your complaints uh, is of tremendous advantage to you. And I guess there's an economic aspect, but I also don't want to feel like I'm like derailing the sexual harassment discussion to talk about just labor. Although like that shouldn't be ignored mm -hmm. as an issue. It like it shouldn't be the only issue. What can what can we do culturally? Because that's not a labor issue at all. It, it feels like that is something that the media does like talking about because it makes people angry and it gets clicks, but it also doesn't like immediately affect anything. Well, I think that, you know, there are actually some ways to, we could totally slam dunk this, approach this like culturally and a bit from a labor perspective, because I actually think that a lot of this ties into work to some extent. Like we keep talking about the workplace and I don't think that's by accident. Um, workplaces are, are, are a very common site of sexual harassment. Now that's not to say that a lot of sexual harassment doesn't happen even in the home you know, amongst family members, you know, we know that people are being sexually assaulted in a lot of situations. But we also know that that the workplace is a, is a vulnerable setting. And a lot of times it's a setting that, like we're saying, it can be a struggle to get away from or speak out in. So uh, I think that as a culture, if we were to spend more time sort of like evaluating and examining the roles that men and women are quote unquote supposed to have within labor, that it would help us to address some of this. Because part of the problem right now is a lot of times there aren't enough of the people that are being abused in power for the abused people to seek out 
people like them who can relate to them and can help them. That's very well said. And part of that is also getting the right to make your disputes with your employer public because there's a lot of opportunity for solidarity and and assistance that just don't actually get out the door because companies have internal like arbitration policies. So if you have something, it it goes to HR and then HR sits on it. And that's, again, back to keeping your economic security. I, I also think it's important that people ask their local representatives about uh, arbitration in the workplace and whether arbitration should be mandatory and, and putting political pressure on their representatives. I know California at least has a bill like that in process if they don't already have it passed. Yeah. And I think we talk a lot about, you know, just the ability to sort of shake the tree on the local scale, affect some political change where you are, you know, in your neighborhood. And this is one of those issues where you can do that. There are laws in your community that are oppressive to women. And you can go out and identify them and go to your city council or go to your state representative and say, why the fuck is this a law? (laughs) In maybe nicer terms, but that's your choice. No, you don't have to be fucking nicer about it. And not only do those laws exist, there are probably already like women that are already mad about the law and fighting against it. So go help them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if there aren't, then, you know, you could also be the first person to maybe create one of those movements in your neighborhood because some of these laws are hyper local. You know, some sometimes this is this is like on the scale of a township. And it affects people's ability to get a divorce or things like that. I've seen this kind of stuff personally play out in people's lives where they can't get a divorce and get away from an abusive person completely and cut all ties because legally, you know, the law in their township says they're supposed to blah, blah, blah. And unless they want to move, which is a financially non-viable prospect for a lot of America's poor, you know, they're they're just kind of stuck living in the same town as their abuser with no ability to completely remove themselves legally from them, things like that. So, like, look into this shit. Like Brandon says, there may be a movement already, and you should always look for the movements that already exist before you run off starting your own. But if there's not one, and there may not be, then maybe you can be the person bothering your senator and telling your friends about this. And the more that you, you yeah. know about the issue, the more you can even just like shitpost and talk about it with others because that helps create an environment where people are more comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a pretty positive note to end this. Yeah. This emotional yeah, yeah. roller coaster of a show it's on. Been, it's kind of, it was kind of weird going from Zoomer rage about Baby, it's cold outside to that kind of wholesome ending there. Or at least we as might wholesome have to as shuffle. we can get. We might have to shuffle, shuffle it around. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's it in fine. the editing I think, room. I think our audience will understand the emotional journey. That's true, too. Uh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes after you've dealt with as much rage-inducing stuff as the topic of Katie Hill's re- resignation was bound to bring up, you have to do something to vent off all that pressure. And for us, that was Baby, It's Cold Outside. <laughs> All right, so yeah, yeah. sometimes you just gotta have something stupid to yell about. Yeah, this is something stupid to yell about, frankly. Good lord. Um, you guys wanna like plug plug our Twitters, then maybe plug the uh Patreon and let's like let's go home. Let's get out of here. Let's just get out of here. I already said follow us on Twitter earlier. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. This has been Not Safe for Wonks. I'm Kennedy Cooper. I'm Brandon Buchanan. See ya. Bye-bye.